smartcast you're listening to a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast hi this is manjula narayan national books editor hindustan times and this is the books and authors podcast it's a weekly podcast where i speak to authors who've got a new book out Today I have with me Indrani Ghosh who's written this wonderful wonderful book Spiced, Smoked, Pickled, Preserved: Recipes and Reminiscences from India's Eastern Hills. Hi Indrani. Hi, hi Manjula. So pleased to meet you. Yeah. Indrani, I loved this book, you know, and I loved how you've like made it a memoir uh of, you know, living in Shillong, childhood there as well as the wonderful recipes. Thank you. Thank you. As I was telling you before, those stories have been in the family for a long time. Mm. And uh, my children have not met many of the people I've written about, but those stories remain, you know, and they enjoyed them. So I said, okay, once I retired from service, I mm. could read what I liked and write what I liked, you know, not confine myself to academics. So yeah. I started writing these. Also uh, I felt that uh, you know uh, you will have found that there are uh, you know there there's the matter of borders between people and countries right yes so i was saying well there's there are two things that can transcend these borders one is love the other is food yes um, and uh, you know anyone who can control love or control what we eat will have power over your life absolutely yes yes that is you true. know so yeah. it was easy for me because in the northeast what you eat is not an issue and it has never been in our family also you know mm. because the brahmos are very liberal okay so tell me what made you write this book um for one thing I was away from my children and uh, my daughter was in Delhi at that point I was in Darjeeling and she kept calling me about recipes you know so I said mm-hmm. okay uh, I'll write out whatever I can and I'll send it to you and that's how it started okay. and then after I retired from service mm-hmm. um I didn't have to deal with academics all the time so and, and you know these stories have been in the family for a long time and i thought i just you know just for my own amusement i started writing them down okay. and uh, and then i thought oh why not you know intersperse it with uh, these stories with recipes because uh, that's a trope i like you know yeah uh, from the time we were children we loved reading books that had descriptions of food you know yeah and then later on well there was indian blighton and richmond crompton and dickens and so on everyone liked those books with food yes. descriptions of yes. food and how they enjoyed food you know and i got this idea of interspersing stories with recipes because that is also what they do oh. and at the same time what they have managed to do by using that trope is also mm-hmm. to harken back to a history of their past right yes yes so that's what really gave me the idea Ah so that's how you uh, you came to this you know there's the partition of assam there's the partition of bengal right yes, yes. and also so, there's this uh, a kind of divorce of the hills from the plains yes yes you no know? yeah. and uh, now i can see the danger of you know further divisions between people 
And uh, that is why I thought, well, uh, you know, food is something that can unite us, that transcends all these borders. Yes. So, which is why, you know, uh, within our family, we had an eclectic cuisine. And I thought, oh, well, why not? You know, the Northeast doesn't have an issue with what you eat. And mm. uh, this is one thing you can't really have control over. You can, of course you can, but, yes. you know, this just goes to show that if you control food and you control love, then, uh, well, you have power over a life. That's yes, what I wanted to deny, you know. Hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I found it, uh, it, this is not like we were speaking earlier, you know, um, this isn't an area that's been explored. I mean, people have spoken about food and memory and, you know, yeah. that's, that's there, but in this particular way, set in the hills, set in Shillong, exploring your childhood, you know, in yeah. such a wonderful way. I mean, some of the writing is, is really, I, I loved it, you know. Thank you, you know. so much. Thank you. That that's that's really nice to hear. When you sp- speak about growing up in Shillong, you know, and uh, talk about that. Oh yes. Well, growing up in Shillong during our time was a little different, you know, because mm. uh, it was still forested. It was still forested. There were little roads. There were many places where buses weren't allowed to go. There was very little traffic, mm. and. Uh, we hardly spent any time indoors, actually. You know, we were mm. outdoors all the time. Mm. And even the school that I went to, uh, mm. Mount School, w- occupied two hills, you know. And oh. it was called Pine Mount because there were so many trees around. So mm. we grew up very close to nature. You know? Okay. Mm. And uh, that is what I really wanted to recapture. Um, yeah, you- You've got that, and even in your uh, um, in your uncle Ketu Mama's uh, yeah. descriptions of his life, you know, yeah. it seems uh, not not just the fact that well he he was um, he was not Bengali but is part of the family, but yeah. also the fact of his lifestyle and you know yeah. I found that, that really was the lifestyle then. You know, there were so many like him. His friends were all like him. Oh. <laughs> you know, and it was that outdoorsy kind of life, you know, fishing, hunting, you know, yes. hiking, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And you've drawn all these portraits of family members and, well, for lack of a better word, a- ancestors even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they were quite a zany lot, you know. <laughs> and each of them stands out. And, you know, through them, you get an idea of what uh, life was like in, in their particular era. You know, you've managed to do that. Oh, and, thank um, you. Yeah, <laughs> I was hoping I would be able to, yeah. <laughs> I found especially, you know, the bits about, I mean, like you were saying, you know, uh, the bits about Brahmo, uh, about the Brahmo Samaj, I mean, the yeah. rest of India, I don't yeah. know, maybe Bengalis know it more or better, but the rest of India, I mean, we just know of them as, you know, Hindu reformist movement and it's very dry in a textbook. One did yeah. know that there was, there was so much involved in it, which you brought out in your book. You know, through the work of your, through your portraits of your grandfather and and his work in the Samaj. Talk Mm. about that. Oh, well, I haven't, I didn't meet my grandfather, but I only heard stories about him, you know. Yes, yes. And uh, 
I only met, you know, I, I was with my grandmother when we were young and mm. uh, and aunts, of course. So mm. them, them I knew, of course, exactly what they were. And it wasn't as if they were dry or staunch or, you know, uh, intolerant mm. of other religions. It wasn't like that at all because that's the essence of Brahmoism, you know. Mm-hmm. Like one of the familiar, uh, uh, you know, uh, invocations would be Esho Hindu, Esho Musulman, Esho Christian. Like, you know, you didn't mm-hmm. really have to forego your official religion and join Brahmoism or something like that. You know, okay. it was, yeah, it was an all-encompassing thing. And it, it uh, strove to promote women's education. And uh, perhaps you know this, like Sati and... Uh, Widow remarriage, yes, you know, yes. all that, all that, uh, yeah, the abolition of sati and the promotion of widow remarriage, the abolition of child marriages, that mm-hmm. kind of thing was what the Brahmo Samaj was, uh, you know, uh, active on. Okay. Yeah. A long time ago, you, so, you know, when yes. women rarely went out of the house. Uh, they were sent into all kinds of places. And in fact, this is something I haven't mentioned in the book. My uh, paternal grandmother was hmm. taught in her school in Kumilla by my maternal grandmother. Really? really? Yes. Because, <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it was like that, you know. Hmm. And uh, so we grew up in this very liberal atmosphere. Okay. And besides that, I found that uh, when the Communist Party came into being, the CPI, that is, mm-hmm. you know, the undivided Communist Party, many yes. of them were Brahmos. Okay. Yeah. So some mm-hmm. of that uh, combination of the CPI and the Brahmo thing also entered our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a very interesting paragraph where you say, uh, uh, you know, you talk about the marriages and the party, um, uh, party force people into, um, and... Going underground. Yes, when they were underground, and then they came came out and found that they were in bad marriages. (laughs) Yes, yes, I've seen a lot of that, you know. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't break away from the former relationships, you know, because they were still in the party, I suppose. So they just got married. And then I've seen very few happy marriages of that sort. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So these are things that one doesn't, I mean, one doesn't know or it hasn't been like recorded specifically. And you, you've mentioned it in the course of your book, you know, so there are many of these little things, which, uh, I mean. You know, because I didn't want it to be, I didn't want this to be a very serious thing. Yes, yes. So just yeah. to touch upon them lightly. Yeah, uh, yeah, you succeeded in that. And even, you know, the um, how your, your paternal grandmother and her uh, mental health um, yeah. uh, you know, problems, you know, those yeah. that, that's, that's a great portrait of a, uh, of a woman who was married off and, you know. Yeah, and also mm-hmm. losing her mind, you know. We had to yeah. deal with that, yeah, for all the yeah. time she was with us. Hmm. So all, all these things and uh, uh, so you know I, I found even the family lore bits even though it's not my family but you know one could identify it, a reader could read yeah. it and and laugh or think yeah. about it. 
That's the main thing. If you can laugh, you know, I'm so glad you could. <laughs> yeah. There's very little laughter in our lives now. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tell me how you decided on the specific recipes to include in this book. You know, I found that, I mean, though the, the non-vegetarian recipes are great, I found that the dals and, uh, uh, you know, the egg curries and, um, yeah. and the chutneys, those are also really nice uh, uh-huh. sections. So, talk about, let's start with the dals. The dals, oh, yeah. yeah. We, we used to have a lot of dal. You know, in fact, my father... Very strangely, mm. after he had finished his entire meal, he would all, always have a little bit of dal to end his meal, you know. And my mother used to get irritated because she thought it spoiled the entire menu, but he would like it. So dals were uh, always cooked in very many ways in our house. And even now, you know, we have to have a dal. Mm. And uh, there are many kinds of dals that we had also, you know, whole dals as well as broken dals uh, with mm. different kinds of condiments and tempering agents. So, yeah, and also chutneys. Chutneys, uh, I must mm. say, it's a very Bengali thing, you know, mm. Uh, mm. especially the green mango, you know. Okay. Yeah. But uh, mm. the and tomato chutney also. It's very common in Bengali households, but it's a sweet chutney, you know. Okay. Whereas okay. The, the variation I've made is the khasi and the Nepali variation, which okay. uh, they cook with uh, three tomatoes, you know, tomatillo, mm-hmm. uh, which is roasted on open fire, peeled, and then mm. mixed with chilies and stuff. So okay. Bengali chutneys will never use chilies. Right? It has to be sweet and sour. But uh, the hill people, they like a bit of uh, tartness as well as a bit of spiciness in their chutneys. And it Mm. goes well with meat. Goes well with dals and fries also. So I thought I'd put that in. Okay. Okay. What I found, like from my own cooking, which is not vast, is that I found this, uh, you, I mean, I've never used a mango ginger paste. Is that a peculiarly Bengali thing? Ha, ah, we call it amada, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It looks like uh, ginger, but it okay. doesn't have the tang of ginger, but it has uh, f- the flavor of mangoes. Oh, okay. Ah. So mm. you use that in chutneys and uh, my aunt used to use that in dal, you know, roasted moog dal. Okay. Nothing okay. but uh, mango ginger paste and ghee. You know? Wow. Yeah, it this, is this really sounds, good. <laughs> it sounds <Yeah>. fantastic. <laughs> if you, if we ever meet, I'll take you some from here. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I must have some of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Since you're talking about your aunt, I found the portraits of your aunts also fascinating. I mean, very funny. Like this little bit where you said she would make a corridor for herself in a bus by flourishing her umbrella from side to side so as not to have sweaty bodies touch her. And after she came back from work, she would wash her feet with detergent powder. She also used to eat the nether end of fish because it contained its ass. (laughs) I didn't even know. I I just didn't have arses, which was (laughs) And she said, don't give me that piece. Why? I I know it it has the fish's bottom 